Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Lawyers for having us in here. Great spot in hour number one. If you missed it, we did a good 40 minutes on Henry Ruggs and all the legal stuff with the crash that resulted in the death of a 23-year-old woman um, in the Spring Valley area, Tina Tintor. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield. We've got Jeff helping us out at the Battleborn Broadcast Center back in our Finley Toyota studios. It's Ari. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All of this crazy stuff is going on. Uh, any other week, we'd be in the middle of a lot of Golden Knights talk because the Golden Knights, again last night, struggled. Again, the power play was a mess. They lose 4 nothing. beginning of a road trip. The Leafs just crushed them. And now we've got Emily Kaplan from ESPN saying, hey, we're at the finish line here. And Vegas and the Flames are going back-to-back and a belly-to-belly battling for Jack Eichel. So what have you heard? What should the Knights do? Like how, if you know you've got competition, how badly do they need this guy in the second half of the season? Because that's when he's available. And for the future, what do they do here? They're, do they need help? Absolutely. Can they afford? It's not a necessary, it's not necessarily if they can afford him because they, they would just do what they do and shift some people, move some people, wave some people, trade some people. Well, a la the, LA Rams. You, the, just, you do what you got to do when you want to win a cup. The problem is is who they're going to have to give up and how much. It's not a matter of moving. Ju- this is not – this guy is not a matter of just moving um, some guys from the Silver Knights, some prospects, and some draft picks. To, dr- to get the salary that they need, they're going to have to move at least – two prominent players from this roster. So while you're bringing someone in, who is it exactly that you're giving up? Are you giving up premier defensemen making money? Are you giving up a Pacioretty, a Marchessault, a Riley Smith? Are you giving up guys that are already contributing just to get someone to contribute? According to Kevin Weeks, the Flames have offered Matthew Chuck, a future first, a former, another former first-round pick, and two prospects. But they can also. How much money is Kachuk making? And you know, the the Golden Knights don't have a lot of wiggle room. They have to yeah, give yeah. up salary. They have to give up. Put- so they're gonna have to give up a major player. But then I'm also talking two. about they, they're gonna have to match. This is a pretty good package here. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, Calgary may be better suited to give it up. It's it's not a matter of not having the the components to match. It's whether or not. Again, I'll say this. Remember who you're giving up. And not getting this guy back. He wants to have the surgery. Get, Vegas has said he can have it the way he wants to have it. So he can also be prepared for the Olympics. So you're not going to have that offense till then. So now you're going to go ahead and give up offense that you're trying to cling to. And you're already struggling. I just don't know how it's feasible. I and But I'm not in the front office. It's not my, it's not my game of chess. This is uh, something George McPhee and... And uh, Kelly McCrimmon do. I, I'm not sure how they pull this off, but we've seen them do some crazier stuff. So. Number four. Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID, and because he's unvaccinated, what? Uh, we'll get to that in a second. He will miss this game against the Chiefs this weekend. Uh, but now really the, the whole frenzy around the situation is 
concerning Rogers saying that he was immunized uh, in August. And now people are like, hey, he misled us. I'm, you know, there, I got a lot of questions here. I'll just throw out a couple of basic questions. Is Aaron, Aaron Rodgers a selfish guy for doing this as a leader of the organization? Or frankly, is this something the Packers kind of deserve with the way they've treated him in the past? Yes, yes, right? yes, 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 yes. I mean, like, here's in, the thing. In, in a way, like he's there's no question Rodgers is sticking. This winds up sticking it to the Packers, yeah. but he's also sticking it to his teammates. He is sticking it to his teammates, but you know, to ask if he's a selfish guy, I mean, weren't many people saying that leading up to when he was holding out? I don't want to play for them. Blah 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 blah. He he he's clearly out for himself. Now I heard as I was driving up here. The question, vaccination versus immunization. Well, he was saying this, so was he, the vernacular, was he being careful in how he was wording things? And I purposely made a call to somebody at Centennial Hospital that I trust and know that works in the emergency room, is is around COVID, is, is very medically not. I said, is there a difference if he were to say this? So he was clearing himself and in, in saying one thing, but not... And she said, absolutely not. It's synonymous. If you say you've been immunized, you've been vaccinated. If you say you've been vaccinated, immunized. It's one and the same. Him saying I'm immunized, he it's a blatant lie, if that's what he said. There's no, well, I didn't say vaccinated. I said immunized. Okay. And there's no misconfusion where, uh, or confusion in, in terms of, well, no, what I meant was when you asked that, you know, I'm immunized from the flu, you know, a flu shot. Because you know what you're being asked. I mean, Steve, in the last 16 months, has anybody asked you if you got the flu shot? Nobody's asking. Nobody cares. It's funny because, you know, flu season has come and gone twice now during this pandemic. Or not come and gone once, and now we're on its second run. And nobody's really asking about if you've gotten the flu shot. Everybody wants to know if you've gotten the COVID shot. So there's no confusion there. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was saying. And if he straight out said, I'm immunized, He's saying he was vaccinated. Number three. On the football field for the Packers, it's now Jordan Love. We were just talking to Westgate's uh, Rex Byers a couple minutes ago, and he thinks that uh, the difference between Rodgers and Love is actually bigger than the point spread adjustment <laughs> to this point. Green Bay is getting seven, seven and a half. What would you do in this game? Chiefs laying seven, seven and a half against a Rodgers-less Packers. I'm against both of you in this one. I like the Green Bay Packers. Okay, I didn't say I was going to bet. No, one side or the you other. Said you said you 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 somewhat agreed though that you you could see what he was saying, right? Was, well, no, what I'm saying is that I think Rodgers down to Love actually by the point spread could be ten or eleven points. Now, if I'm if I'm going to if I'm getting seven and a half, eight, eight and a half against a Chiefs team that doesn't have any defense, yeah, I'm 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 leaning Packers. Okay, I'm not necessarily making the play because Love really worries me, but I would never I would not lay the points with the Chiefs. Okay. Let me just sort of read this here. The Packers and Dallas Cowboys are perceived to be two of the favorites in the NFC, right? So we just saw the Dakless Cowboys beat the Vikings in Minnesota. So why not Green Bay with Jordan Love? Drafted as Rodgers' perceived heir to the throne, leading an already clicking offense. The Chiefs have struggled on both sides of the ball. Their defense showed up against who? Washington and the Giants. Big deal. They've shown inconsistency on offense in three of the past four weeks against the Bills, Titans, and Giants. So I'm not sure what's going on with Patrick Mahomes, but now he's facing a Packers defense that's held six of eight opponents to 22 or less, four of which they held to 17 or under. So the same way that I like the Cowboys 
with Cooper Rush that because of the defense, I think the Packers' defense is going to frustrate Mahomes. He's been struggling and do what it needs to do just to get uh, Jordan Love through the game. So I like the points here. I think Packers plus seven is a great play. Number two. So we're a little over a day removed from the Henry Ruggs crash and and death of Tina Tintor and her dog. Um, I really want to know the day. I'm not being funny here. In this crash. But I think it's important to know more about both because you know I'm a dog lover. Well, I, I, when I saw a dog pass away, I was I figured there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very angry about the loss of the dog. What was the mood like over at the Raiders facility? I understand Basachi came out, gave a statement, and then uh, who else spoke, and uh, what came out of that? It's it it. I really did expect whether it was Waller or Crosby, if not both. To, I thought that they'd make it, but I think that they wanted to get through today the same way that they wanted to get through a few weeks ago with the Gruden incident. Um, but it was just Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr. Um, I actually had to step out of the media room for a second during Derek Carr, but I had it in my headphones listening to um, the live stream. Very somber. Rich Passaccia came out and was very, very, um, with his opening statement, Express condolences and he said what you and I said what we've repeated what's going to be the lead to my story for the Associated Press in that let's not lose focus that this has nothing to do with a football player a star wide receiver this has to do with the fact that somebody lost her life and uh, Derek Carr same thing now on the back end of making sure that they addressed the victim um, they did also say, uh, Rich Versace said, we love Henry Ruggs and we want him to know that this is, you made he made a grave mistake, you know, but we love Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr said, Henry Ruggs is someone who needs to be loved and someone needs to be there. And if nobody else is going to do it, I'll be there for him. So, you know, I, I guess th- when you, when you have that bond, that brotherhood, and I can tell you this, that I do a, a, a source, um, one of the players, I mean, he's 53, and I, I don't want to get too far into it, but somebody who, uh, you know, uh, a lady friend of one of the players told me today that he is taking it extremely hard and would think and would assume that a lot of the players that are, that if they're in that, in Ruggs' circle or whoever circle that Ruggs was in, they're, they're taking it extremely hard. And for those listeners out there, they're saying, well, Hey, screw him! He would for what he did. The, the the term brotherhood has been thrown around a lot, so it's a family to them. It's a family member who made a mistake. They're they're hurting because he made a dumb decision, and so you know if this was happening to a family member of yours that made a dumb decision to kill somebody, you're going to be angry. You're going to be upset. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be sad, knowing what that person's going to be facing. So. There's just so there's a wave of emotions there, and I and I posed this question to some media members, and it was it was somewhat somber in the media room. It, at some point, it got a little lively in terms of people talking and gibbering, but at one point, it was very quiet. Um, is which situation do you think was t- has been tougher on on the Raiders? And the, and the media members I spoke to, we all agreed that it's this one because the Gruden one, you bond together and you come together as one, whereas here it's it's affecting one of their own. They, they feel like it's it's someone in the locker room. Gruden, 
you, you kind of he did it to himself. He's he's you know he's older, so on and so forth. It's here. I think this this one's really affecting the, the players um, emotionally these last thirty six uh, hours. Are we surprised Derek Carr spoke so much about some of the other details about getting a text and talking about Rugs' location and all that stuff. No, because he was asked, and Derek's always been up front. Um, I know that it was on Rugs. Reportedly, it was on Rugs' Snapchat that he was at Top Golf, supposedly. Right. So if, if that's the case and that was live from that, he said that he got the a text message of a video of him swinging, said he sent it to him and Hunter. Or maybe it was a group message whoever saying, hey, I need up with my golf swing shortly before midnight. And one of the things he said is he wished he put it on himself like Derek Carr genuinely does as a, as a leader of this team. He said that I wish that I had done more. I thought, you know, what could I have done more? that he would have felt that he could call me at three in the morning and said, come pick me up. Number one. So the details are out about the accident. Henry Ruggs, the uh, former Raiders receiver, he was released last night, was doing 156 miles an hour, two seconds before the crash. Um, I suppose trying to break and skid into the woman's car. He hit the car at 127 miles an hour. Again, keep in mind where this is on Rainbow north of Tropicana going towards Spring Valley Parkway. Uh, we still don't know about his route home or where he was, if he was at the golf place. And, you know, that's a long time. If they close at midnight, if he stayed later, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, his blood alcohol was 0.161. There was a loaded gun found in the car. Keep in mind, his girlfriend was in the car. Do we have details on her injuries yet? Or is that still? No, I heard, from going. my understanding, hers were more serious than Henry's. Okay. And uh, we also mentioned that the victim's dog died in the crash. You're going to jump in? I am. I have two points to make. I want people to, to, to 156, you keep, we all keep saying that and it's shocking to read and see, but I want to put it in further perspective. At that stretch, that's 111 miles over the speed limit. Now I want you to think about that. Two times the speed limit, 45, is 90 miles. So I want you to think about how many times you've been driving your car if you have an SUV or you have a newer model, whatever it may be, I currently am driving a loaner. Today, I'm on the freeway, and I, on, on my regular car, you have to hit the button. I always keep it on the digital miles instead of the dial. And I finally found it. And when I saw it, once I got on the up by my side of town and realized, I said, I'm going 78. Okay, so that's 13 miles, right, between 65 to 78 once you hit traffic. There are some areas on the outskirts at 70, and you think there's a whoa, and you, and you bring it down a little bit. 90 miles is two times the speed limit on Rainbow. He was going 111 above, 3.4 more miles than what the speed limit is. As far as the loaded gun, I will say this, and we don't know... If you notice in the police report, it does not say an illegally loaded gun. It doesn't say an illegal firearm. It's a sexy term to throw in because it makes it look. Let's not, and I'm not protecting or defending what Henry Ruggs did, but that doesn't need to be in there because the new laws these days, I can go buy a gun. You can go buy a gun and walk out of there. You don't, the very first gun I ever owned long time ago when I turned 18 and I was an adult, you have to go to City Hall. You have to wait three days. You go to City Hall. You get the blue card. It gets registered. All that. You don't have to do a lot of the processes that you, you did. The only way that's illegal is if it was concealed. Um, I'm not sure the rule on if 
it's in the chamber or if just the clip's in. But the fact of the matter is, unless he's walking around and it's in his belt and the shirt's covering and it's concealed, he doesn't have a CCW, that's a bit of a problem. Why are you doing that? What do you need that for? We've said this time and time again with many athletes, if you are making millions of dollars, you have money, and you think you need to carry a gun, you should just go ahead and hire a bodyguard. Or, or, or a legal security that can do that. But the loaded gun, I think, is a sexy term, sensationalizing a little bit to add to it, that it doesn't necessarily need to be in there because I don't know if it's – there's nowhere in the report say illegal. We talked about the football aspect of this. Willie hinted, uh, touched on it a little bit about some sources saying how some of the Raiders players are reacting. They're going to play the Giants this weekend. we got to get to the other side of the story. So the Raiders are going to be you know, mentally trying to – a deal with what Henry Ruggs did here. And on the Giants side, it sounds like they've now got a COVID outbreak. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. The most gratifying thing is this team, we hit every pothole, every bump you could possibly hit this year. Injuries, every single kind of thing that could have happened, that could go wrong, went wrong. We overcame every single one of those things. And we ended up in November 2nd, world champion. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battle Born Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Braves win the World Series. Uh, Freddie Freeman talking there. We'll, uh, before we get out of here at 6 o'clock, we'll, uh, we'll get to the Braves and the World Series and a bunch of baseball at about 5.57. Uh, Willie Ramirez, Cofield. So Raiders, again, dealing with the worst kind of adversity. You know, Gruden the first time around, this is just horrific. I told you, I jumped on the Giants, not to be callous, but hey, you know, yeah. uh, I jumped on the Giants right. getting three. And now we find out the Giants have problems of their own. It looks like they've got a COVID outbreak. Uh, they play Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney on the COVID list. Uh, right guard, also tested positive. Running backs coach, Burton Burns, 13 members of the organization tested positive. This is crazy. And, you know, we go back to the Rogers story where Rogers said, maybe confused people saying that he was immunized. He wasn't, so he's tested positive. The Packers have had a little mini outbreak as becoming a problem around the league, maybe – I mean, I, I'm not even going to say maybe. Uh, you and I see it. People have relaxed in terms of wearing the mask. Yeah. And, you know, around Clark County, we're seeing a little spike now. Uh, and now in the NFL, teams are having problems, and now the Giants getting ready to play the Raiders. I mean, this what happens if this thing turn, you know, turns into the freaking Titans deal where, you know, the Titans had – it got to like 29 or 30 different members of the organization. Right, and, and, and different rules this year, too. I mean, uh, safety Logan Ryan, um, quoting him, it's a 2020-2021 NFL season, nothing new, which is not 2020-2021, it's 21-22, but nothing new. We wear tracers every day, get COVID tested. So stuff like this comes up. Obviously, results have to come back. I'm not going to speak too much on it, but we obviously had experience with this last season. That's the problem. Like you said, people becoming relaxed because they had experience with it. Now they're getting vaccinated. So they're taking the time to say, well, we're vaccinated, so we're not going to wear a mask or we're not going to do this. You know, if you're in film study and even though you you don't have to, 
put it on? What's the big deal? Because you're going to see these these outbreaks. You're going to see the, the spread. Well, and you know the rules. The rule is if you are vaccinated, you're probably going to have to miss five days. You're going to have to get double negatives back. Right. So if they're testing positive on Tuesday, guess what? The freaking cutoff for Sunday, you are right up against it now. Right. And you remember what, what game was it last year where the, the Raiders got the Sunday morning and they were like, we don't know how many offensive line we're yeah. going to have. And the Giants are probably going to face the same situation here possibly with multiple players, certainly with multiple coaches, where as of Sunday morning, they're like, okay, you're good, you're not, you're good, you're not. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. They, they have, so they're and basic- on top of all that real quick, if it, if you went through it last year, man, I'm sorry. It, everything rolls downhill from the top. Joe judge, this, this would be another bad mark on his record. If they have a freaking COVID outbreak and they're and people are being undisciplined when it comes to the rules, and I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, that's cool. They, I mean, it's it's crazy because you you now are preparing for the unknown. I mean, you don't know that who do you, who gets their snaps, you know, tomorrow, who gets the reps, who you know. You, now you're shortened. Your roster is shortened. You don't know what you're preparing for, um, other than preparing for a team that's now battling emotions. And the one thing I will say about the Raiders, um, and I'm not comparing the two situations, but what I am saying is that, as Derek Carr said, it's been an emotional roller coaster all season. Um, they have learned to deal with adversity. So if there's a team that's going to be coming in, battling adversity and knowing how to sort of respond, and maybe it's a bit, I don't know. I don't I don't know what kind of signs are going to be in the stands, right, in the Meadowlands as far as what they're going to look up into. But you had brought this up about the Golden Knights. Like maybe it's a good thing when they go away, right, when they hit they started that three-game win streak and the two of them were away. And, and I think you brought this up with Adam. We're like, well, maybe it's good to get away from Las Vegas to, to sort of away from the – you know all the the questions and the and the home just to get away to are in the hotel they're bonding maybe it'll be a benefit until they step on the field i don't like again they're paying attention to the signs and fans yelling but now the giants have their own thing to deal with um and it, it sets them back a little bit because again they they prepare for the unknown and that's with your own group you don't know what you're preparing for within your own roster who's available like you said who's going to be ready sunday morning who should get reps all week who do we, you know, put here, put there? And they waited for how long to get Barkley? And now he's down. Now, he's, now he could be down again. Uh, every week at this time, or sometime during the Wednesday show, we're going to continue our lead up to the Las Vegas Bowl. The game is in about seven weeks. Brand new Las Vegas Bowl with new conference affiliations. It goes down on December 30th. And up next, we're going to check in with a former quarterback from UCLA. Does a podcast for Learfield. College football expert Wayne Cook will be on Cofield and Company. Listen to the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show each Wednesday at 6.30, live at the Parkway Tavern. It's an embarrassment, really. It's showing that the group of five teams literally have no chance to make it into the college football playoff. The way that they go about the votes is just picking who the best teams are, not the most deserving teams, not the teams that are going to provide parity uh, through this whole process, which is why Alabama ended up at number two. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Robert Griffin III on the way back. And you know what? He's new to broadcasting. He's doing his job. But I will tell you, I believe that most of us, including RG3, are just buying into a work. This is almost like a 
a Kardashian show around college football. It's a TV show, folks. And teams will get to play out the rest of the way. Things will change. Listen, I, I love the hype. It helps me stay employed. We get to scream and yell about college football. But I know deep down to not trust the rankings at all. So I'm, I'm glad that RG3 is slipping out. I don't flip out on this because I believe it's all for a TV show. This guy played college football. He does a podcast with Learfield, uh, works with UCLA, played at UCLA. Wayne Cooks up with Cofield and Company. Wayne, how you doing? Hi, Wayne. I am great, guys. See, you're making me calm. I like to get fired up about this stuff, and you're you're kind of talking some – just calm down. It'll all play out. Uh, I was pretty fired up when this came out, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better now. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't want to quell your enthusiasm here, so what, what pissed you <laughs> off the most? Well, I wouldn't say it was being pissed off. I, I didn't like where they put Alabama. Texas A&M has two losses, and, and, and I think that – um, that's not a great loss in my opinion. Um, I thought Michigan State, I like them in there. I think Cincinnati should be higher because of the Notre Dame win. I think that's a very good win. Um, to me, Oregon, and I'm a Pac-12 guy, I didn't think they belonged in the the Stanford loss was enough for me to move them out of the top four. But see, that doesn't matter. To go back to what you guys are talking about, about how it's kind of a TV show and it's it's fun to argue about, it doesn't matter if Oregon's at four or five or six because – Oregon, if they went out, is going to get in most likely with one loss. So I feel the same way about Ohio State. I feel the same way about Michigan. Like, you could argue that Michigan, you guys, has a really good loss and should be ahead of Oregon. But because they just lost, I think that that affected them a little bit more. And then, holy cow, Oklahoma, they're a name. And maybe people are just tired of Oklahoma getting in the playoffs and losing, but they still get in the playoffs all the time. They're 9-0. and and then I'll throw one more thing at you guys because there's a million angles you could take on this, and you're probably right. It's all going to play itself out because there's so many games left. So answer this question. If Clemson were sitting exactly where Wake Forest is oh, yeah. with an 8-0 record and the same schedule, I guarantee you Clemson would be in the top two probably. Of course. Of course. So you're not even safe in the power fives. If you don't have a football reputation that goes way back, you're not even safe from the CFP as a member of the power five conference. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely it, that part makes it insane. The only thing I really liked about what they did is I, I like the idea, idea that they had the head to head matchups. In almost every case where teams had played each other and they were close, they right. put the winning team ahead like Oregon and Ohio, Ohio State's a great example. But you guys, can we not do better than this? Like, I keep telling people all yes. the time, people get yes. mad at me. I'm like, what if Wisconsin ends up, because they're playing really good right now, what if they end up winning the Big Ten? And I talk to people all the time, well, they don't deserve to go, why would we want a three-loss team getting to the playoffs? That's like giving them a participation trophy. I'm like, in what other sport is it not about playing your best at the end of the season? Right. It's, it's like, I get it. that They're so afraid of these mismatches. And I'm like, we already have them in the current system. Let's expand this thing. Let champions automatically get in, and then we can argue about the other teams. That would be really fun. But champions should get in, and people act like that's insanity. Why would you want to let the champion? Because they're a champion of the Power Five. Yeah, but they lost two games. So what? It's almost like winning a championship is not good enough anymore. Yeah, if you had a, a bigger tournament, then you could let them in, and you could let the other teams that maybe possibly got upset or had a better record from that conference in as well. It, it, this is one I love to throw at people because as as a Vegas radio show in Vegas, folks, and we respect what the sports books say. How you like you mentioned the head to head? How much should head to head count, and should it be blended with analytics? Because I'll tell you right now, the interesting thing on the Oregon victory against Ohio State. 
the two teams are going in different directions. They're both winning, but they don't, you know, Ohio State looks good. Oregon's been kind of lackluster. I'll tell you, books told me that right now Ohio State would be a two-touchdown favorite on a neutral against Oregon. So how do we blend that in, like what Vegas thinks in terms of power rankings? So, again, I'm, I'm going to always default to they played. So right. they played. I'm pretty sure was Oregon was Ohio State favored when they played the first time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're big favorites. So, so how many how many upsets have we had this year? Probably more than ever, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I mean, it's not if we got all these right, we'd all be rich. Like, if, if we could just figure out, like, I love it when people say, oh, you know, even Georgia, oh, they're just going to win out. Really? No. I'm like, what if they what if they have a couple of turnovers and get down, and they're trying to sit there going, okay, Stetson Bennett, do we keep him in or do we go with JT because we need to throw right now? Well, JT's been sitting on the bench for a while. What if he comes in and throws a couple of interceptions? I mean, this is college football, and I'm sorry, but Georgia fans, I, I know they just got to watch their Braves win for the first time in forever, but I think they're probably a little scared. They're probably cocky and scared at the same time because they're used to it. Remember, these same fans had to watch their Atlanta Falcons lose a Super Bowl they couldn't have possibly lost, right? So there's all kinds of things in sports that can happen. That's why I'm saying if, if you can allow champions to get in, then – you, you'd find out. Like we don't know what Cincinnati's can do. Can do if they never get in. You know they played Notre Dame. Notre Dame's been a really good program. I'm not saying they're great, but they're pretty good, and they beat them. So who's to say Cincinnati couldn't take on an Oregon or Michigan State or or even this year? Because Alabama, remember they played Florida and struggled a little bit. Okay, that was a close one. And Florida's what four and four right now. So I don't know. I'm just over people guessing who's better. I kind of like seeing it on the field. So to answer yeah. your original question. Oregon beat Ohio State, and by the way, they beat them at Ohio State. And yeah, they've been they've been struggling. But remember, they lost the game when they didn't have their offensive coordinator. He was he was out, Joe Moorhead, and they didn't have Kayvon Thibodeau for a while. I saw Kayvon Thibodeau against UCLA up close and personal. Dude, that dude is a maniac. He's a he he just destroys what you're trying to do on offense. So yeah. those things matter. Yeah, I you know the thing that amazes me with Cincinnati because uh, I actually put out my own rankings yesterday. I have Cincinnati number one, and a lot of my rationale was right. it's weird. People are saying Cincinnati teams like that can't compete with Georgia. January first, twenty twenty one, they played in a bowl game, and since he led going to the fourth quarter, yes. and I'll say they let off the gas pedal because uh, Georgia looked lackluster. Georgia came back and won the game, but they played him heads up, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, Georgia and Cincinnati, they, they, they you know they couldn't. They couldn't, uh, you know, since he can't compete with them. And I'm telling you right now, I totally agree with what you said about um, the possibility of lots of losses the rest of the way. Anyone out there is like, since he has no chance to get, they have, if they went out, they're going to freaking get in. Because I'm telling you, the Big Ten is going to cannibalize itself. The Pac-12 is probably going to cannibalize Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma's not winning out. And I also don't believe that Georgia's going unbeaten the rest of the way. And Alabama could still lose a game. Isn't it crazy, too, how the apologists, so the Cincinnati game against Georgia, oh, Georgia had players that didn't play. It didn't mean as much to them. I'm so over it. Then, then that's something wrong with the character of your team. Then maybe they're not worthy of a championship. Just freaking show up and play. Don't make excuses. It's like my UCLA team beat LSU. Absolutely just whooped them. And it's almost like the SEC decided that LSU doesn't now. They're, they're down this year. They don't count. I'm sick of it. These conferences all want to pick and choose who they – who they, you know, who they support and who they don't support. But it's like, hey, the ACC hasn't exactly been good in a long time. When they had Clemson right. at the top, they just ignored everything else. Now that Clemson's not at the top, they don't know what to do with themselves. And so 
I don't know. I, I, I just I just wish we could figure out a way, like almost every other sports league in the in, in, in the world where we actually decided it on the field. Because I kinda like the idea that some of these teams can upset other teams. Yeah. It, it's just I mean that's that's what makes sports great. I don't want to guess. The guessing is stupid. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, hey, what does Wayne know? I don't know. Wayne played. He covers players. I don't think you could ever find a player anywhere in college football who wouldn't say, yeah, let's play more games and let's decide it on the field. Um, I wanted yeah. to ask you about um, the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, folks in the audience, you go to lvbowl.com, get your tickets. It's Pac-12 against Big Ten. And start off by saying or asking you, um, you know, you're a UCLA guy. What do you think of the Las Vegas partnership with the Pac-12? I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I, I think um, playing our, our, our championship game where we've been playing it when nobody shows up has been terrible. Right. Um, so we need to make some changes. And, and Vegas is, is such a great location for our conference. I think it's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm 100% on board. And, you know, I am kind of bummed with, with what the, the playoffs has had a, a, a positive and a negative effect. It's, it's kind of ruined bowl games. And, you know, we got to too many bowl games anyway, but it's, it's made it to where now everybody's, well, I'm going to the NFL, so I'm not going to play. When I played, we never would have even thought of that. It's just like, we're, we're playing with our team. It's a bowl game. It's awesome. It's going to be fun. But, yeah, no, I think, I think Vegas, Vegas is absolutely a perfect partner with Pac-12. Wayne Cook is with us, former quarterback at UCLA, Cofield and Company here on a Wednesday. Um, by the way, that Vegas ball already has thirty six thousand tickets sold. So that's pretty good, that's pretty awesome. good turnout. Yeah. Who who do you think? And, and the the matchup's going to be uh, Pac twelve two and Big Ten three, and that's after uh, the CFP chooses team. So if the college football playoffs took a Pac twelve or a Big Ten team, then it, it moves down a little bit. So UCLA has a shot to get here to Vegas. Um, would the fans travel? Would they be enthused to travel here? And then and beyond that, who do you think is the best group uh, around the Pac twelve in terms of the fans? What school has the best traveling fans? Oh, okay. That, well, that's a loaded question. Like, I think if UCLA were to win their last three games, which is probably what it would take, which, by the way, they could. They just had an October from – I mean, that was really difficult, ending off with Oregon – excuse me, Oregon and Utah, which was a huge challenge. But now we've got Colorado, a struggling USC without Drake London, and then uh, we end with Cal, who's actually starting to play better. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a good possibility that UCLA could win two or three of those and, and end up with a you know, winning record, and, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Because the Pac-12 guys, let's be honest, it, it hasn't been good this year. You know, it, you mentioned the word cannibalizing earlier. Yeah, we do this every year, but it seems like it's even worse this year. I think Utah and Oregon are the two best teams in the conference. Um, I actually think they're separating themselves. What Cam Rising is doing at, at, at Utah, he's changed their team. They're starting to run the ball with Thomas. They're starting to play defense. The scary thing is they're young. So I think what Winningham's doing is 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 building something that's going to get even better. But you know, I, I think that the Utah's got a great program. I think they would travel uh, Oregon and, and, and Washington. You know, I think Washington where they at four and four, so they still you know have a fighting chance. As a matter of fact, if they went out, they could still win the win the North if you just look at the who they play. So I don't know, you guys. I mean, I, I just to me, uh, Oregon travels, why? But they might be disappointed if they didn't go go to a bigger bowl. Washington, Utah, I think those are probably going to be your, your best bets. UCLA, if they win their last three games and get their hope, start feeling pretty good about themselves, I think people will show up. And shoot, Vegas is fun. It's an easy drive for us, too. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, disaster hits UCLA down the stretch. They lose <laughs> the last three. They lose five in a row. 
They finish five and seven. They don't make a bowl game. Chip Kelly, okay. Yeah, that, that that's a really hard question, you guys. I mean, you know, no coach is okay when when you when you you know it's year four, and and the record's been bad. It's been, as a matter of fact, and then by the way, Chip Kelly inherited uh, a team that was as bad as it's been in a long time. Uh, Mora started off his tenure really good, and then it kind of went the other direction. So you can't go with like three and four win seasons and then end up with just getting to six wins or, you know, if you lose all three, you're not even bowl eligible. That's going to be difficult. No, I do not see that happening. So it's going to come down to, you know, if, if the powers that be look at UCLA's football program as if they're going in the right direction, or are we improving enough to where we're going to get back up to where we want to be, which is, and listen, Martin Jarman, who is our new athletic director, he wants us to win. He's seen the basketball team really turn it around and they look really, really good. And we all know this. We're all smart enough to know it's a lot easier to turn around a basketball program than a football program. It's just, there's so many more moving parts and it's just so much more difficult. So we've done some great things this year. Shoot. I mean, we just lost to to Oregon by three and had a chance to have a game winning drive at the end. So we've been close, but we're just not quite getting over the hump. So I think it's going to be, I'm not going to answer your question guys, because I don't (laughs) But I, I think it's going to be something that's yeah. going to have to be evaluated if they lose two or three out of the last three. Right. Uh, we understand. You you work with the program. Um, let's close on this. The podcast you do for Learfield, you do it with what, uh, Felder, Michael Felder, who's actually a guest with us on Thursdays as a regular. Roddy Jones is in there. Tell us about the podcast. Yep. It's awesome. We've got uh, we've got Stephen Hartzell, we've got, who's our host for all. He has to put up with all of us, myself. Felder, Roddy Jones, and oh my gosh, when we all three go on together, poor, poor uh, Hartzell just gets destroyed, the poor guy. And then we've got Cerber, who's our engineer, who's amazing. Golik's a part of the uh, Mike Golik's a part of it now, too. So nice, we, we nice. just have a ton of fun. Um, Jeff, it's called College Sports Now. You can follow us on, on uh, CSN Tweets, um, on, on Twitter. It, it's, it's just an absolute blast. I get to do it once a week. I'm on with Phil Steele. If you're uh, in the neck of the woods where you like to play some wagers, uh, he goes through just about every big game of the weekend, and that guy is absolutely brilliant. We get him for 35, 30 to 45 minutes every single week on my show on Wednesdays. So nice. um, it's absolutely a blast, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Wayne, we appreciate it, man. Let's get you on before the Las Vegas Bowl. That was great. Love the energy. Yeah, you guys, anytime. I love it. Hey, how can you not have energy talking about this awesome game? Even when the even when the people screw up the rankings, it's still a blast, like you guys said. Yeah. All right, Wayne, we'll see you. See you guys. There is Wayne Cook, played quarterback at UCLA in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, you know, I've heard the uh, the podcast, and he, he gets fired up. He screams and yells, and the CFP will get anyone going freaking over the edge. We'll have more college football talk coming up uh, after 6.30. The Marcus Arroyo radio show is on the way right here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, live from Parkway Tavern, the volunteer location right down near the M. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Put your hand in there, Dave. Having us here at the studios today, 5709000 is the number to talk to you. Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the rest of the staff here at Battleborn and uh, you know, keep in mind right now they're they're doing something pretty cool 
and it's free. If you're not completely clear on what you have in terms of coverage on your auto insurance, like you may think you're fully covered for everything, but a lot of times you're not fully covered. So give them a call and you can check on it. Um, I don't know with what just happened with Henry Ruggs and this poor lady, Tina Tintor, um, you know, I don't even want to start thinking about like what sort of insurance she had and you know, all that stuff, but something to think about, you know, you want to make sure car accidents happen. So you want to make sure you're covered, but five, seven, oh, nine thousand is the number here to call just in the business in town too. Justin and Matt. Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot going through everyone's head on this, on this tragedy. I know you were, you were thinking about, you know, driving and getting home and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, one of the tweets, I, I heard your rant earlier and agree 100% with it. And I, I wanted to share something before we close out. And real here. quick, the rant, the rant earlier was just, I'm, I, I don't like to see Las Vegas taken on the chin Absolutely. As, if, as if it's the city's fault right. when uh, someone of wealth with a power car and maybe thinking, Hey, that they're, they're above uh, any, uh, any accountability. Um, you know, they come to Vegas and it's like, Oh, Vegas got them. Like Vegas didn't, Vegas didn't get Henry Ruggs. This could have happened anywhere. Henry Ruggs got Henry Ruggs. Right. And, and I saw a, a tweet from somebody that said, let this serve a lesson for um, parents to, to, to be able to speak to their kids and remind them that there's Uber and that they could call them at any given time. And I want to take this time to stress to parents of, of obviously high school kids because they, they you know, it, it happens. We're not encouraging in any way, shape or form, but we are saying that we know that high schoolers and then after high school, if they're still living at home between 18 and 21, when you encourage your kids to call at any given hour, do yourself a favor. And I'm not saying that you don't do that. Some of you don't do this, but for those of you who are get woken up at, let's say one in the morning, and then you go pick up your 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 17-year-old, whatever it may be, because you encourage to call, on the drive home, congratulate them, praise them, tell them how proud you are of them, rather than berating them the entire way home and saying, what were you thinking about? What are you doing? You're 19 years old. You're not even of age. Because you know what? The next time, they're not going to call you. I can't tell you how many times... Friends of my son told me that the, that the one time that they decided to call their parents and they were berated the entire way home and then reminded the next day, Steve, twice in my son's life before he was 21 and never had to deal with this again because he's either had a designated driver and he's not a big drinker. You know, he's a professional bodybuilder. But twice I have been woken up between 2 and 4 a.m. to pick him up. All the way across town, you know, I live in Aliante, and the entire way home, all I did was thank him, tell him how proud I was of him for making that call so he can feel comfortable in that every time that he needs a ride, he can call me rather than hear me yell him going, dude, what are you doing? I got to get up. I got to come pick you up, make him feel guilty. No, make them feel proud for when you tell them over and over, call me when you need a ride. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Good stuff. I don't know if I want to do sports after that, but I, I will mention, and I'm, I have to get to this the next couple of days in, in depth a little more. Uh, Braves win last night. Braves were, you know, by many accounts, out of it. And I've said for years, there is no such thing as out of it in baseball. If you're 500, 
near the all-star break and near the trade deadline, the expanded playoff system. If you got on the dance floor, you have a chance to win and kudos to the Braves because they tried. And you know, what's amazing. The, the MVP of the last two series were two guys they picked up via trade when everyone's like, they're done. So a lesson to everyone who's bought into this 25-year narrative started by Bud Selig that certain markets can't compete. Everyone can compete. By the way, take a a look at the list of recent winners the last eight, nine years. It's a freaking different city every year.